Welcome to Wide Receiver One, a Blue Wire podcast presented by WinBet. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Today I'm talking to former New England Patriot, three-time Super Bowl champion, Minitron, also known as the Squirrel, Julian Edelman. The California native began his football career as a quarterback at Kent State, was drafted in the seventh round by New England, and we know New England has been very, very successful at drafting people in later rounds. He eventually switched over to the wide receiver position, a position he was unfamiliar with. Not only did this man rack up impressive stats on the field, having the second most career receptions in franchise history, he was also a three-time Super Bowl champion, a Super Bowl MVP, has more receptions than anyone else in the playoffs except Jerry Rice. And that's why people asked him, are you worthy of a gold jacket? So what's next for the former star receiver? Is it media? Stay tuned for my interview with one of my favorite receivers, Julian Edelman. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jules, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. How you doing? Good, good. It looks like you're a little bit in L.A., you got like a little L.A. vibe going there? I'm in uh, Los Angeles for sure, uh, just on the West Coast, spending some time with my family and, and getting ready, you know, for my new season coming up over on Inside the NFL and, and, and enjoying this relaxation time, almost having those same feelings like I'm getting ready to go back to camp. That's awesome. There's a tremendous irony to you being here. When I retired from Minnesota in 2001, my first job in sports was inside the NFL. Now, little Bob Costas, Chris Collinsworth, and Dan Marino. HBO at that time had the longest running show in inside the NFL. It's kind of flipped over a couple times since then, but that was my first <laughs> um, cutting my teeth um, in television. And I'm excited about the opportunity because you're at a high level. And typically, if you're going to be successful, if you can start at a high level, it helps you out. We're going to find out. You know, I'm excited. It's an honor to get to go on this show. Uh, the cast mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, a bunch of awesome players that I grew up loving and, and playing against a couple of them with Phil Sims, Brandon Marshall, Ray Lewis, Mike Irvin, and can't forget JB, who's mm-hmm. going to emcee this thing. And he's he's a complete professional. So looking forward to that and uh, enjoying the transition while it's coming. Now, have you figured out? what type of announcer that you're going to be? Because for me, I had a lot of experience. I had called games. I had done my own radio show. Um, I had volunteered at um, at the Super Bowl, I think, for, for five straight years and worked with, you know, CBS and ESPN before my career. So I kind of knew that my personality on TV was going to be kind of like the way that I played, kind of straightforward, trying to be a leader, um, trying to understand the dynamics and how hard it is to play the game. Have you figured out what type of announcer you're going to be? Well, I'm not necessarily an announcer. I'm just an analyst. I'm going to be me. I'm going to give my take on things. Uh, and I don't think it's going to quite match up to how I was on the field because 
when I stepped in between the lines, you know, I was a different person uh, than when I was not playing in between those lines. So, mm-hmm. uh, of course, I, you know, I'm, I'm a jokey guy. I'm a serious guy. And, you know, I'm just going to be me. I think a lot of times, you know, when you're trying to transition, um, that's some of the best advice that I have ever gotten from professionals. I'm talking about people like Denzel Washington. I sought his opinion um, when I was trying to transition. And he said, you know, be yourself. He said most of the roles, when you start off, you know, you got to take what you can get. But once you establish a name for yourself, then you try to stay in the lane of being yourself. It's easier. It's more consistent. And um, no matter what the format is. So even though I say announcer, um, (laughs) there's many avenues as far as being someone that gives their opinion. So I'm looking forward to see how you develop, especially you got an experienced team around you. Also, you're going to be launching your own podcast. Yeah. So maybe I'll come on your podcast and you can interview me. Games with with names. With the hot Games with names. Oh, I like that. I like that. Also, you're dipping into the, the NFTs. We've done a couple of right? NFTs. Uh, we launched those uh, about five months ago. We're in the NFT space. And then we're also doing, we have our production company, Coast Productions, which we're in development with two TV shows and a potential movie. Uh, so we got a lot of things going on. We got a lot of things going on, which is good. It's busy. And as you know, when you transition, it's almost awesome when you were playing, you could say no to things because you could focus and it was football time. Now, like everything right. you're saying, you have to say, yes, I, I got, I, I got to go out and, and do it now. So, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely been pretty crazy busy, but, um, you know, busy's good. One of the hardest things for players when they transition is not only how the, how the, how to criticize other players because players do things that you have to criticize and how do you criticize either their former coaches or their, or their friends that are currently playing. So how are you going to approach when you look at New England week in and week out and trying to be um, a source of information, a credible source compared to being just, um, I know you got your Red Sox on, I, I know you love New England, but how do you give the proper take um, measured as you're trying to, to learn this business? I'm going to do it like, it was done to me in New England. You know, they're brutally honest. And if I see something, you know, I know how to, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell them how it is. That's what it is. You can't sugarcoat things. Uh, you know, with the kind of preparation and and, and uh, the work that they put in over there, they're going to be trying to fix things and this and that. But, I mean, if something's looking sloppy, mm-hmm. I know exactly what coach is going to say because I've heard it verbatim over a 12-year career with him. You know, I know if – the tight end's not doing this because – or they're not setting the edge. I mean, they probably need to work on that in practice. you got to call a guy out. Uh, you know, I was never mm-hmm. afraid to do that um, when I was playing because, you know, when you're a guy that works your tail off, you know, you, you hold yourself accountable and you got to hold others accountable. So I feel like I'm still part of the team just because I played with a lot of those guys. I love a lot of those guys and the relationships right. – so it, mm-hmm. it'll be a, a platform for me to kind of say, hey, we got we to gotta step it up over here. Do you think it's wide between Tom Brady and Joe Montana and the other quarterbacks? Or do you think just situationally he was in the right situation and was able to capitalize on it? Uh, I think it's pretty wide, honestly. Um, you know, being around Tom for as many years as I was, 
and seeing how he prepared and seeing the throws he made in practice and seeing how he practiced and seeing how he took care of his body. Like those are one thing, but then when you look into a guy's eyes and it's his 20th year and he has the same fight as a a seventh round guy trying to make the team or, or a undrafted guy trying to make the team, you're sitting there looking like, man, how is he still motivated? And I think it's literally that killer instinct that he has, that competition factor that he has that separates him from anyone. I mean, he broke that whole systematic thing when he goes to his first his first year in his first team with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he goes out and wins a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. It wasn't pretty, but what did he do? At the beginning of the year, people were saying, oh, this team's not this. They lost to the Saints twice, yada, yada, yada. He's just going to work. And he's going he's gonna to hear it, but he's going to ignore it, and he's going to fuel himself. And mm-hmm. that's something you can't teach. I mean, that's something that's God-given, and, and you know, I, he, he's, he's the GOAT, in my opinion. Um, Hall of Fame weekend just passed. Um, I was able to have a conversation with Tom. Tom was there supporting Peyton Manning. They played against each other 17 times. Uh, Bill Belichick was there. Um, he's been there the last several years, had an opportunity to chat with him. Um, he ultimately will, will be in Canton. Um, I wouldn't be surprised in the next couple of years, uh, Mr. Robert RKK, that he gets into Canton um, and gets a gold jacket. Um, not, a lot, not a lot of New England Patriots have gold jackets. Um, as soon as you retired, across the talk show circuit, first question, is Julian Edelman a Hall of Famer? Does he deserve a gold jacket? And I've heard your opinion on it. But now that you're going to be front and center, you're going to be doing shows like Inside NFL, you're going to be doing a podcast, I think you're going to have to become a little more clear with with, with what your answer is. Do you think Julian Edelman deserves one of the gold jackets? I just took it out of my suitcase, getting it dry clean. Do you think Julian Edelman deserves one of those gold jackets? That's not for me to say. That's for guys like you that have a gold jacket to say. Uh, Mm -hmm. I respect that organization or fraternity, whatever you call it. Uh, And, you know, I was never brought up like that to talk about individual stats or going out and try to be the MVP or or this. I was always brought up, Mm -hmm. let's do what's right for the team. Let's go out and try to play games, big games and play in the last game and all those types of things. So I'm going to leave you with what I left everyone else. You know, it's not up to me. Uh, I enjoyed playing in, you know, five Super Bowls and nine AFC championships. And and that's what I grew up wanting to do and and winning three Super Bowls. So that's – and playing your best games in the biggest games, that's what I wanted to do. And, you know, looking back, it's – it. I performed pretty decent in it. And I'm – you know, now it's over. Now now I go and, and you just let the dice roll, whatever. It is what it is. I think the biggest compliment is that people would feel compelled enough to strike up the conversation because there's no one that has that, that has those types of numbers that they're talking about. Like, you know what I'm saying? If you look at Jordy Nelson, Jordy Nelson has better numbers than you, but they don't talk about him being a hall of famer. He's a Super Bowl champ, not multiple times. Uh, Troy Brown. I always talk about Troy Brown when they bring up new England, you know, when you win multiple Super Bowls, like guys in Pittsburgh, guys in Dallas, guys like that, guys in San Francisco, Guys that did like, they're going to be in 
the big time games that you're going to have to talk about them. So for me, the number one compliment is that people would put you in the conversation with these people that have had Hall of Fame type careers. I'm going to transition to your relationship with Robert Kraft. I know he's a special, special man. Um, I traveled to Israel with him. So it's kind of a two-part question. Um, I see that you um, have have openly embraced Judaism, um, said you had an adult um, an experience, an awakening. Um, I went to Israel with 20 Hall of Famers in the Kraft family and um, being a Christian all my life and, and that being the birthplace of all religions. It was an amazing experience for me. Can you kind of share what you kind of went through your awakening and why you've been outspoken, um, even challenging people um, like the NBA basketball player, Miles Leonard, uh, who said a few things um, while playing a video game, um, anti-Semitic comments. Yeah, there's Judaism in my family and I didn't grow up necessarily Jewish, but uh, right understanding and learning about Judaism and, and seeing the parallels it had with my father and seeing the parallels it's had with my life thus far, I, I ultimately connected with it. Um, you know, the, and that's the cherry on the top was when I went to Israel and you got to experience it and you, you go to the Holocaust museum and you see the, the 500 or thousand Edelmans that were killed during the Holocaust. And then you you see the Wayland wall and you feel the power of Jerusalem. Like that's when it clicked with me and I kind of found, and I, I chose to go towards that. So, um, you know, with uh, the other things, I'm not challenging nobody. Uh, like you said, with the uh, miles Leonard, I was never challenging anyone. I was more of trying to open a conversation so we could educate each other. Yeah. So, you know, it's one of those right. things. Potentially, you know, sit down to dinner. Sit down for a Shabbat. Um, let's, let's just talk. Right. <laughs> and I think that, you know, what we're going through, you know, as a society, and to me, even when I was putting this podcast together, you know, I wanted to make sure that we got proper rep- representation. Um, there's not a lot of white receivers in the league, but I wanted to make sure I got a, the guys. <laughs> so I, I got you. I got <laughs> I got Adam Thielen coming in um, because it's about having conversations. Yeah. It's about having conversations with different people about different things, things that are foreign to us, different ways of growing up, different ways of thinking. Um, so I, I love the way that you embrace that. Appreciate it. From the other standpoint, craft um, from an ownership. Give me some of the things that he taught you um, because, you know, I'm good friends with Moss and I know a bunch of other guys that played there. Give me a, a Robert Kraft story that kind of embodies who he is as a human being. And as a man, well, uh, RKK, he gets mad at me when I call him Mr. Kraft. Now he says I, I've graduated to RKK. So uh, right. R- <laughs> RKK, every Thanksgiving, because we all have to work on Thanksgiving you, when you play in football. And he would come in and he would distribute these movie cards to like movie passes and say, how thankful he is uh, for his family and for football and all that. And then he would go and explain verbatim the same story where, you know, he goes into a Dunkin' Donuts and he buys the car behind him a coffee just for a mitzvah, which is a kindly, nice act just for the glory of God. 
And so, you know, that that's something that uh, RKK every year on Thanksgiving would say. He'd say, let's go out and just give a little more mitzvahs, you know, in your daily life and be thankful for what we have. And, and that's the kind of guy he is. Um, I can't compare him to any other owner. I only play with him. But, you know, he was always around. Mm-hmm. He, he was always in the team meetings. Uh, this guy lived, breathed, and loved football and still does. And ultimately does what's best for our team and, and, and is really you know, trying to win. Um, you hear stories from other guys that, or you just kind of look into other franchises and we won't put any names on blast, mm-hmm. but like, you're like looking to yourself, like, is, are they really trying to win? Like, or are they just trying to snag the bag? <laughs> so, you know, it, right. With him, it, it always felt, he was so involved and he loved his players and, and, and it's just one of those things where it was awesome to get to play for an owner like him. I mean, your development and your path is so very, very similar to Tom Brady, seventh round pick quarterback out of Kent state. Uh, I got one of my best friends, um, Scott shift Columbus, Ohio. He's a lawyer. He graduated from Kent state. He's always bragging about Kent State through the years, through the years. And then as you begin to develop, man, you were his guy. He's like, hey, man, Chris, I told you we're, we're made of the right stuff at Kent State. So uh, you made him very, very proud. Tom Brady, explain to me, Jules, how you are in the situation you're in. You're only a role player for several years, four years. And then you become one of the greatest quarterbacks, favorite target. Explain that transition like year four to year five where you stop necessarily just being a special teams player and start being a special player. Yeah. Uh, you know, I got drafted the Patriots in 09, and and this was a few years after 07. Um, they had Wes Welker, Randy Moss. They had Joey Galloway. And they were stacked. They were, they were stacked. And, uh, you know, Wes was in his prime. <laughs> and uh, for me to make the team, I had to make myself versatile and play special teams and cover kicks and back up the holder and return kickoffs, return punts. And, you know, that's what I did for four years until, you know, I got an opportunity and, uh, you know, I tried to take advantage of the opportunity. And, a lot of the help, a lot of the help came from uh, a lot of the time I spent with Brady in the off seasons, starting in my second year, where you know he moved out there, and I would hear he would throw with receivers on the team, and you know, I was kind of one of the slappies at the time. You know, you're not going to ask a, mm-hmm. a special teams guy to come throw or anything, but we were represented by the same guys, and I told my agent, I was like, "Yo, Steve, let him know I'm out here. I moved out specifically just to throw with him. If he ever needs anyone to throw to, let me know." So you're talking about move to LA. LA in the off season. That's where he was. And uh, that year he called me like one time. I don't know if that's all true, Jules. There's a lot of reasons to move to LA, but I like your storyline. Hey, <laughs> I wasn't like that. At the time you was trying At to get the time. It. I was just trying to learn football. I, I mean, you, right. I was right. 15, 16, 20,000 catches from the, the guy who played college football. You know what I mean? I needed to learn how to run routes. I needed, right. I needed repetition. I needed to do whatever I can. And who are you going to try to be around mm-hmm. when you're a receiver? We're so dependent on a position. You're going to make the quarterback feel whatever you need. I am here because that's, that's the hand that feeds us. So I moved out there 
And first year, he hit me up once. Dropped everything, went out there on a Saturday, threw with him one time. Did the same thing the next year. And then we started going a little more and more. And he was learning mm-hmm. how I was running. And I, ultimately, I was learning what he wanted. I was learning how he wanted the routes. And it became more and more comfortable. And then, you know, going into when Wes left or, you know, my fourth season, I was playing pretty well and I was getting a lot of reps and then got banged up. And then Wes ended up leaving and I had an opportunity. And, you know, I think that's where, you know, the trust levels between me and and Tom, I knew going into that year, I'd have an opportunity because it always, it was so hard to gain his trust as, as a quarterback. You had to prove it day in, day out in practice. You had to like, it was a whole process because he doesn't, he's got to be comfortable throwing that ball. And he, he wants mm-hmm. to know exactly how you're feeling and this and that. And, uh, you know, I think that's when it, it all kind of, it was like a perfect storm. You know, I was getting better at running routes just through the years of experience, whether it was a good route or a bad route. You know, you were putting that in your head and you're like, well, if I'm getting undercut here, why don't I sell them on this undercut and then bang it back out on my my ghost route or my outcutting route? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So those those movements, yeah. I didn't know I was playing quarterbacks at a, you know, in college. So it takes it Absolutely. takes you time. It's like dancing. You got to learn it. And then you feel the feel of the DB. And like then you start. Once you start getting these techniques, then you can start using your athleticism. Then you could start to really experiment and and really start to manipulate guys on, you know, the coverage and knowing what they're going to do and knowing what they're going to expect. And, and, and so I think it was a perfect storm of, you know, the trust levels being there and me getting a, you know, a real opportunity that kind of launched me into uh, what we went through. Working out with Tom Brady, it evolved into a big brother, little brother relationship. I follow both of you guys on social. You guys have done some amazing things together. Give me your top three places or top three fun things that you did with Tom Brady. Not Kentucky Derby. I like the Kentucky <laughs> Derby. I know that's a good trip. I've been there a couple uh, times. But give me give me a, a few spots, Jules, that typically either went to. I know you was out in Montana working out through the years. Mm-hmm. But give it to me because I know that part you will miss. Yeah, definitely. I, w- I would throw Montana in there. Uh, we would go there once a year and, and just kind of train for a week. It was like kind of like a rest and relaxation slash hard for the receiver mm-hmm. who has to run every every day uh, trip. And that was always something special that we did, uh, get away from the families and kind of get ready for the start of the year. It was one of those – it was like almost like a, like a, a kid's camp for adults – were, you know, we'd go out, work out in the morning, run routes, eat nice, play around to golf. And, you know, we'd do those types of things. And then a couple other places we went to, it was, we had a fun time at, uh, you know, the, the Mayweather Pacquiao, Pacquiao fight. That was a, that was a fun night. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> we came from the Kentucky Derby and went there. So I couldn't use the Kentucky Derby and we've had some fun nights in New York. You know, he, he, he likes, you know, he lives out there sometimes and he's, you know, him and his mm-hmm. wife, we went out to you know dinner a couple times and nothing crazy. I mean, we were really, it was really ball and we would stay in touch. But like once it's off right. season, we've seen each other for so long and we know we're going to see each other for, a you know, an extended period of time going forward. And, you know, the next year, like off season, you're kind of doing your own things. And it, 
you know, evolved when we got older and I had a kid, he had a kid, you know, it's just, it changes. So, um, we've had some awesome times and, uh, you know, it's awesome seeing him do what he's doing right now. I've almost heard every Randy Moss story, but I know Moss had a huge impact on you learning the game. Um, best athlete that I ever played with best athlete that's ever played wide receiver. Uh, give me some of your Moss recollections from those days there in new England. Uh, you know, being a, a 22 year old kid, just getting drafted there and, and seeing Randy Moss and play throughout his career in Minnesota and then going to the Raiders and then coming to the Pats, like, I was just so interested to see what he looked like in general, like in practice and this, and it was everything you, he's a lot bigger. He, he is. He's, he, but it, I'm just saying <laughs> like how he practiced and how the, like, does he really catch the ball that great? And then you see him practice where he makes these one handed catches, like it's nothing. And then, you know, it, those, those, those times were awesome. And then, uh, I always remembered on Saturday, like walkthrough day, you know, Randy would come in and those are usually like mental days where you have the walkthrough and, and you know, kind of your last prep before you go into the game. It's normally nice and quiet and he's and, not. It was quiet. <laughs> no, but Randy would be kind of quiet. But once we got into the receiver room, see, I seen old, I seen Randy when he was older. You know what I mean? Guys grow up a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so I would see Randy would go every time when we break up into our receiver room. And we have like an hour and a half worth of meetings. And Randy would take up the first 45 minutes because he hate Randy hated meetings. That's what he always said. Yes. Randy would always yes. say, oh, these meetings are going to make me retire, Bill. You know, but we get into that meeting room and to cut away from like the X and O's, Randy would just give an explanation on 60 minutes. The every like the, the Friday night, 60 minutes, like. Man, I can't believe this <laughs> this this husband thought he could get away with that. You know how he would go and do his storytelling. He'd get up on the board and start drawing. I see you got the little West Virginia twang on uh, there too. It was so yeah. He was he was an awesome teammate. I, I miss him, and it's been awesome to watch him blossom into his TV career and and kind of let mm -hmm. people get to really know him because you know there was a time where you know people you know what I mean like. Absolutely. Back in that day when he was, he's a younger guy and this and that, but like people are starting to get to really see like the charismatic, charming Randy Moss, who yep. can't be an asshole. Don't get me wrong. Because every day he would come in and another thing, he, every day he'd come in, he, he used to call me Edelnut. <laughs> he goes, Hey, Edelnut, 98 first round. You better get to know me. Or he would say something like he would say, there's, there's about 15, 16 of you out here, Julian Edelman, but there's only one Randy Moss, 98 first round, get to know me and just walk off. Like <laughs> get to know me. <laughs> nah, but I mean, if you look at the figures that you've had in your life, I mean, small beginnings, humble beginnings, Kent State quarterback. I saw the videos, man, you throw it, you run it, you do anything to try to win a game, get drafted by new England, legendary owner, craft, legendary coach, Belichick, legendary, arguably at their position, Moss and Belichick. I mean, Moss and 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 Brady. Don't forget Gronk. But Belichick was the can't forget huh? Gronk. Not, that dude was a monster for no, youth. No. Like, 
it, there is no doubt. I, I, I wasn't going to forget Gronk. It's just amazing your surrounding. But all of that managed by Belichick. And to me, um, I played against his defense for so many years with the Giants when we used to be in the mm-hmm. NFC and just watching him and, and, and how he taught the game of football. I just had just such a great deal of respect how he ma- maximizes the roster and will not give you any yardage during the game. Uh, if you had one Bill Belichick story, what would it be? <sighs> one Bill story. I mean, I, I've already said a lot out there. <laughs> and he always gets kind of mad at me. But, uh, you know, it, it's just to kind of piggy. But he's a he's a different guy, too, than the perception that he gives. He is, but he keeps business business. And he, you know, like he's mm-hmm. brutally honest. It's not easy to play for him. He expects a lot out of you every single day you're there and any single type of activity you're doing whether it's meetings, installations, or walkthroughs or practice. He wants you he, – that's what he wants. He wants little soldiers that are just going to go out and he's going to lead that, that thing how he does it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it, <laughs> I remember after one Super Bowl, it was, our, it was my first Super Bowl in 14, like going into that, that, that Super Bowl – like we don't really, you know, I wasn't really a guy yet. I was a guy, but like, I never really key keyed with coach or, or really had a, a laugh mm-hmm. with him. I mean, maybe here or there, but like never still not comfortable around him. We won that Super Bowl, <laughs> and I had one of my buddies in the, our little area. We were in the same little area at the after party. And my buddy, mm-hmm. Josh, he goes, let's go take a shot with Belichick. And I'm like, nah, dude, we can't do this. And he goes over there and he brings him over. It was me, my dad, Josh, and and him. And and he goes, sure, I'll take a shot. Like I'm like, oh, I'm expecting him to say, get the hell out of here. What are you doing? <laughs> he goes, sure, I'll take one. And he had a right. big old, you know, ear to ear smile. And he took took one with us. And you know, that was the last time I seen him smile until he won the next Super Bowl. But you know, that was <laughs> that was a that was a fun little, uh, you know, fun little night with him. That I'll always remember. Well, Julian Edelman, you were one of my favorite players to watch. There's a lot of young people out there that you bring inspiration to. There's a lot of guys in college who might have to switch positions after seeing you do what you, do what you did and do it for a long period of time. Um, it's going to inspire them that they can make it in the NFL. I thank you for taking time um, to be with me, Chris Carter, here on Wide Receiver 1. You're awesome. Your broadcasting career starting off just like mine inside the NFL. If there's anything that Chris Carter can do for you, Jules, in this business, just make sure you reach out. I'd love to be able to help you. And thanks for being on the show. I appreciate it, man. Big fan. And I I have one thing. Uh, I remember a long time ago, I may have told you this story. I was listening to you on something. And you were saying uh, how before you left, like your your off season, you had to run twenty hundreds. Yes, you had to run twenty hundreds yeah. in a row before I to go to Minnesota. To, I run twenty to, to yeah, let you know, yes, to let you know you were in shape. And once I heard that, I started doing that, and I was like, "All right, Chris Carter's doing this. I'm going to try to do this." And then I, was, I started incorporating that. So just to tip my hat to you, sir, and uh, what you've done, oh, awesome. So, and I, I, I gotta. I, I, 
I see. I also seen one thing. I saw you playing a basketball, or you did a. It came up on Instagram. I was scrolling through my feed, and you did a celebrity dunk contest. Foot Locker Slam Fest. Foot Locker Slam. Me, Primetime, Michael Irvin, uh, the Triple Jumper, Mike Conley. Yeah, Powell. Yeah, Michael Powell. That was awesome. But then it got me thinking, right? You were in Minnesota for so long. You were like a Minnesota native. You you are a household name. You are the guy in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking, and I was watching the Chappelle show, and I saw about Prince had these infamous basketball games. Did Chris Carter ever play in one of these infamous basketball games and eat pancakes with Prince? That's all I want to know. No, I didn't play with Prince, and sometimes he played with his boots on, but I have been in the studio, and more importantly, I've been to some of them private parties. How about that? <laughs> that's that's enough. <laughs> hey, could he ball, though? Could he ball? I heard he could ball. Oh, yeah. he can. Oh, no, he can really play. He can dribble. He can shoot it. Absolutely. Awesome. Love the game of basketball. That's awesome. Love the game of basketball, but I do appreciate um, those stories, and I really do mean it, man. Um, I like to see you be successful, just like Randy Moss is successful, uh, being a great wide receiver and transitioning into the broadcast. My role model was Ahmad Rashad and Lynn Swan. Oh, yeah. So both on the field and off the field, I tried to emulate them. And if I can live up to the first class guys that they were, I think that I would have done all right. I've been doing this almost 20 years now. So I, I think that I had a pretty good career at it. So good luck to you. Good luck in your journey in life. Good luck in your um, being a father. And continue being a positive person. Bro. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. And I'm going to I'm gonna take you up on that offer. I'm calling you. Thanks to Julian Edelman. And thanks for listening to Wide Receiver One, a Blue Wire podcast presented by WinBet. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Chris Carter, and we'll catch you next week. 